I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 546 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, dads, today's guest has traveled around the world as the host of one of the most popular reality TV competition shows. Phil Kogan joins me on the podcast. Phil is the host of the wildly popular reality show, The Amazing Race, which has had 32 seasons and has won 10 Primetime Emmy Awards. The Amazing Race has consistently averaged more than 10 million viewers per season. Phil has been the host of the show since its inception and is largely responsible for the success of the show. Phil is also the host of Tough as Nails, which is in its third season. It's got a brand new episode dropping tonight on CBS. And Tough as Nails is my kind of reality show that pits blue-collar workers against one another in competitions at real-world job sites with tasks that test their strength, life skills, endurance, and mental toughness. Phil is just brilliant as the host of the show, which has been nominated for a Critics' Choice Award. Phil is a native New Zealander and a first-class father all the way. I'm honored to have him on the podcast today. Phil Kogan will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And today's interview with Phil Kogan was recorded on video and is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. So if you'd like to watch the conversation between the reality TV show host and myself, please subscribe to First Class Fatherhood on YouTube. The link is in the description of today's podcast episode. All right, and if you guys are fans of reality TV, I've had several reality TV show dads on the podcast here, including winners of The Bachelor and Bachelorette, Jason Mesnick and Ryan Sutter, winner of The Voice, Craig Wayne Boyd, and coming this Friday will be the winner of the 15th season of America's Got Talent, Brandon Leak. So make sure you come back and tune in for that episode. Make sure you follow me on Instagram at Lace for all the upcoming guests that will be joining me here on the show soon. If you're enjoying the podcast, please hit me with that rating and review. Always goes a long way to help me out. And as always, guys, please help me spread the word about the podcast. Every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list, let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks. Family values rule. And every day is Father's Day right here with me. And I'm going to be right back with Phil Kogan. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. What's doing, dads? I've got two ways for you guys to save money and support First Class Fatherhood. First up, the NFL season is back and the stands are packed once again with fans the way it's supposed to be. If you plan on taking your kids, going with your family, or going with the guys to the game, save $20 on your tickets by going to SeatGeek.com or using the SeatGeek app and use my promo code FIRSTCLASS. That's one word, FIRSTCLASS, and you're going to save $20 off your tickets. Okay, and secondly, you got to go to MyPillow.com and save up to 66% off using my promo code FATHERHOOD. MyPillow.com, use the promo code FATHERHOOD. I'll tell you right now, their pillows are great, but their mattress toppers, their towels, their bathrobes are next level. You got to check them out. MyPillow.com, use the promo code FATHERHOOD, and you're going to save up to 66% off your order. All right, you got that, guys? SeatGeek, save $20 on your tickets, promo code over there, first class. My pillow promo code over there, fatherhood. All right, two ways for you guys to save money and support first class fatherhood. Joining me now, first class father, Phil Kogan. Welcome to first class fatherhood. Uh, <laughs> I hope I'm a first class father. <laughs> well, that's what you are in this show. Once you made it here, that's what you are. Uh, okay, I, I was going to say you might want to check with my daughter first. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start right there. How many kids do you have? How old? I have one. Uh, she's 25. She's going to be 26 soon. Wow, very cool. And if you could hear, uh, Phil, just in a simple capsule form, hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. 
so I'm primarily known uh, as the host of The Amazing Race. I've been uh, hosting that for 20 years now, it's the 30-something seasons. Um, I started in television when I was 18 years old. I'm originally from uh, from New Zealand. Um, my most recent project is uh, called Tough as Nails. It's uh, about real people in real life who are real tough. Uh, a competition reality show that's on every Wednesday on uh, CBS after Survivor. So, yeah, that's a little bit about me. <laughs> yeah, very cool. Yeah, I'm going to hit on the Tough as Nails in just a minute here. I, lo I love the concept of that show. I'm a railroad mechanic myself for 22 years, so uh, I love the concept of it. I'm going to touch on it in just a second. So if you could take me back to the beginning. I know you said she's 25. About how old were you when you became a dad, and how did that uh, change your perspective on life? Well, uh, when I was younger, uh, I, I really felt like I was invincible. I felt like I really was invincible. Um, never really thought about my own uh safety i get not not so much safety but i never really thought about you know the idea that i wouldn't be around or that something could happen to me uh i had a child i had my my daughter l when uh, i was 28 and it really did just change the way i thought about everything i started to think a lot more about my own safety my own well-being uh as it related to being a responsible father and being um there for her uh I had always wanted to climb. I had always wanted to climb Mount Everest. It was on my list. An opportunity came up to climb Mount Everest where I would be paid to climb Mount Everest for a, a, a show. And uh, I turned it down because I, uh, after she was born, it, this opportunity came up and I turned it down because I thought it's not the responsible thing to do. Uh, something certainly that I've always, I had always wanted to do. But again, before before I had my daughter, I would have just jumped at the chance. I would have gone done it. Um, but I guess what you what happens when you have a child is you become you become less selfish. <laughs> you think more about the fact that you are responsible for another human being. Yeah, very well said, Phil. And, and that's one of the things I wonder. I know obviously you're hosting the Amazing Race for many years. I, I always kind of wonder: is it more challenging, or is it do the do the dads that are on the show or the parents that are competing do they have a disadvantage or an advantage? Because I would think you know you're, you're more reluctant to take those unnecessary risks that you have to, as opposed to the to the single young gun that's out there, footloose and fancy free. So how did how did you see over the years uh, the dads or the parents as opposed to the single people that were competing on the show? Uh, I think anybody who is a parent has an advantage, if only because there's so many things you learn out of becoming a parent, empathy, sympathy, compassion, um, the ability to see the world through somebody else's eyes. Um, and those are key things, I think, on certainly on Amazing Race, where you you do well on Amazing Race if you can connect with people. Um, I think it gives you a certain amount of human intelligence being a parent because suddenly you're not just making choices for yourself. If you're being a responsible parent, that is, um, you, you, you don't just jump up and do the things that you would normally do. And by the way, for those people who are not parents who are thinking about becoming parents, that's not a negative. It actually is, is a positive, uh, because it forces you to prioritize different things. So, I, I think parents in general have an advantage on Amazing Race, if, if only because they're they're it, it does dimensionalize them as human beings. Yeah, very well said, Phil. Yeah, I'm an advocate for that too. I try to tell the young men, you know, I, I think it's important 
you know, to make that a goal in your life is to become a father. I think it really is the greatest experience you're going to have. That's why I bring on so many successful people like yourself that have had all this success, but still say, hey, you know what? Becoming a dad is what's given me the most uh, sense of fulfillment in life. So it's truly uh, something to aspire to be. And and then uh, on that, then what would you say uh, were the top values that you had hoped to instill in your daughter as she was growing up? Well, I think you, I, I'm sort of very old school. I mean, I, I'm really about manners and respect. Um, I learned those from my grandparents, from my, from my parents. I, I'm uh, old school in the sense of respecting your elders. Um, so with my daughter, I'm, I'm, I'm always trying to say to her, try not to be right, try to be effective. Uh, be respectful to people and they in general for the most part they will be respectful back to you um try to uh receive more than transmit um learn you 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 learn more when you listen than when you're speaking especially when you're younger um but ultimately for your child i think the greatest gift you can give them is to try to help them live a a healthy, happy lifestyle, like to be at a place where they feel that they're contributing and that they have that job satisfaction or they have that sense of wanting to get up and do something to affect the world, whatever that is, whether they're working at the railway or whether they're flying a plane or whether they're working in a small market garden, like whatever that thing is, whatever makes them happy. I've always said to my daughter, I don't care what you do, but I do care about you being happy at what you do. Yeah, great stuff, Phil. And I'm right with you there, too. I, I make sure my kids are pleased and thank yous. And even when I volunteer at the, at the school on a pizza day or some event, you hear certain kids that will always say please and thank you, other ones that don't. You notice right away that and it reflects on the parenting. There's no doubt about it. And one thing I talk about on my show all the time is we got a fatherless crisis going on in our country. We got so many kids growing up without a father or a father figure in their life. And it's taken it has a devastating result on our society. So I'm not sure what it's like. I I know they did a um, a, a Pew Research poll. The United States leads the world in single parent households. So I don't know what it's like in New Zealand or the other countries. But I mean, we have got a a serious fatherless crisis going on here. What's your take? Yeah. um, And by the way, fathers don't need to be father figures don't need to be a biological father. They can be an uncle, a grandparent, sometimes, you know, for one reason or another, uh, someone loses their way, a father loses their way, and it, and and they may become addicted to a substance and suddenly they're not available for their child. And so it doesn't have to be a biological uh, father. I mean, ideally, that's what you want. But it can also be where somebody steps in and says, you know what, I'm going to help this young person, um, give them guidance. Um, and so many times you hear stories about grandparents stepping in to do what their children weren't able to do for the, the grandkids. So um, hats off to all those people who go out of their way to help a non-biological son become like a, a son to them or a daughter to them and to give them that guidance. But we need more of that. And I think a lot of that comes too from the way that everything is shifted in society where uh, there was a lot more about community, you know, uh, in years gone by, um, where everybody kind of was a part of helping to bring up children in the neighborhood. The neighbors would take a hand in helping to raise your kids as well, because they made sure that when you went to visit somebody, like I have friends whose parents 
insisted that we were polite to them and that we took our shoes off at the door and we acknowledged the, the parents. And um, yeah, those manners, it comes from who your kids are friends with and who their parents are. But you're absolutely right. Those the, you you can't always get children to abide. But if you're consistent with and measured with your uh, discipline and with your teaching, it will eventually rub off on them. They will they will remember you. Sometimes you don't think it's going in, but they take it in. They, they're they're smart. And kids are like sponges. You know, if they see abusiveness in their life and they see uh, rudeness, then chances are they're going to pick up all of that. So it's so important for good good for the, for our kids to be surrounded by good influences, whether it's a direct parent or whether it's a teacher or friends, parents or whatever it is. Influences. It's so important. It, it is, Phil, and I, I bring out a lot of um, you know professional athletes on the show here. Many of them who grew up without a dad, and, and they'll they'll testify that they they found that father figure in a coach in a somewhere coach. along the line. Whether right, and then I have the military guys that come on that have been in the same situation. They found it in the military, but it's when these guys don't find that and they find it in the street, yeah. and that's what leads to all this chaos. So I, I agree with you there. I think it definitely the community. If we can strengthen our family units, get back to the dinner table. Uh, I think ninety percent of the trouble we have in our country will really start to dissolve pretty quickly. Yeah. And- you, you know, it's interesting you talk about the dinner table. I think that's one of the, the key ingredients that's missing from certainly from my upbringing. I grew up without TV, but um, we were always in, encouraged to have conversation. And and, and as kids, my parents uh, spend a lot of time to help bring us into the conversation with adults at the table for us to be a part of the conversation and for us to learn and listen. Um but I'm, you know, I feel like we're missing a lot of those conversations. And now people are getting so sensitive about discussing things that are uncomfortable. We're not talking about the things that we should be talking about, where where we have some constructive, respectful conversations about differences in how we think and what our in be- and our beliefs. And so what we tend to do is just shut people off. It's like you don't agree with me, so that's it. I don't want to talk about it, and that's a problem. Um, kids need to see that. There can you can get resolution from good constructive conversation. We can't shut down conversation. And right now, a lot of that is being shut down because people are too scared to say anything because they're going to offend somebody. And um, it's not constructive. It's not how you affect change. You affect change through conversation, through discussion, through opening people's eyes up to change and to a different way of thinking. We need more of that. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm right there with you, Phil. I really think the dinner table is more important than the ballot box, in my opinion. I think if we could just get those conversations going at the at the dinner, that's my favorite part of the day. Six o'clock every night, my family, the six of us. I got four kids myself. We sit down at the dinner table, and it's my favorite part of the day. So, um, I think that's important. And then uh, we we talked about discipline there. What, what type of one of the things? My youngest is my only girl. All right, she's she's seven, and I, I'm definitely trying to hone in my discipline skills with her as opposed to with my boys. What what type of disciplinarian are you as a dad? And is that different than the discipline style that you grew up with? I think my wife was better at discipline than me. I mean, I think you know when you're 28 years old to suddenly be thrust into being a parent, you don't get a lot of stuff right. You know. There's a lot of mistakes. You make a lot of mistakes. At least I know I did. I, I, I know that if I had been a parent later in life, I would have been a better parent. Um, there's just a lot you don't know. You assume that parenthood is easier than it is until you step into it. And then you're kind of like, oh, boy, this is really challenging with a teenager and setting boundaries and limits and all of that. I, like I said, I think my wife was better than me. Um, and I learned a lot from her. 
um, I tried to draw on the principles from my parents. My, I mean, the biggest punishment I really got from my parents was was things being taken away from me um, through bad behavior. Um, I don't believe in in you know certainly for me I I, I never had to get hit. Um, I did have I was in a boarding school and and the discipline was uh, was. Uh, we actually had the cane at the school where I was. I don't know if it necessarily did a better job uh, at teaching me how to be better than my parents taking certain privileges away from me. But that's how we kind of did it with our daughter. And and then also uh, reward, you know, rewarding your your child for good behavior and for doing the right thing. So th- there's uh, there's consequences to behavior. Um, we did a thing, too, which I think was really helpful as a parent which I've shared with other parents, which is if our daughter wanted something, we would say, well, we'll match you 50-50. You want a phone? Okay. Uh, we'll pay half the phone. You pay for the rest. And then our, our daughter, for her first phone, she worked for about four months to uh, babysitting to earn the money and walked in with a big wad of cash uh, to pay for that phone. And we, we matched the other half. Um, I think you know, I I have more money than my parents had, and my parents had more money than my grandparents had, and so it, w- it would be easy for me, or would have been easy for me to go buy a phone for my daughter, but I also was very cognizant of teaching her a lesson about the value of what it, what does what is the value of a dollar? What does it take to earn a dollar? So uh, as each generation becomes <clears throat> more successful, you have to be careful that you you don't just shower your children, I think, with the rewards of your hard work and the generations behind you that helped you be in a position to be able to have more in your life, but that you still go back to the basics of you mow the lawn, you get X amount of dollars, you wash the car, you get X amount of dollars, take the trash out, do your chores. I'm a big believer in chores uh, and contributing. You're part of a, you're part of a family. Um, and you want to sit at the table and you want to eat food at night that that we provide you, then you need to contribute something uh, as a part of this family unit to make sure that this family functions. Um, you know, there's no there's no such thing as a free lunch because <laughs> out in the real world, we all know that it, it, there's no there's no f- such thing as a free lunch out there in the real world. And I think for a long, long time, we've We've been telling kids that they're great and that they're as good as everybody else, but sometimes they're not. And sometimes I think the cold hard truth of that is is good. When I was at school, I remember there was a couple of kids that would consistently beat me at a lot of things. They could run slightly faster. They were slightly better at playing rugby. They were slightly better in the classroom than me. But, you know, growing up, I'm I'm glad that nobody ever told me that I was an equal to them because it made me strive harder to try to catch up to them. And um, no matter how fast you are, no matter how good you are at school, there's always going to be someone who's better. And to me, there's nothing wrong with that. That just gives you something to aim for. <laughs> yeah, listen, Phil, I love that philosophy that you have there. And, and yeah, uh, I think the every kid gets a trophy type of philosophy has been just a, uh, a devastating thing in our in exactly. our culture. Yeah, I think it's done much more harm than good. And to your point there, I, I have a lot of, you know, it is definitely a challenge for kids that are growing up with successful parents. I bring a lot of guys that have smashed it in life here and they come from humble beginnings and now they're multimillionaires and their kids are coming from a, a totally different world than they are. So yeah. uh, there's there's definitely a, a different challenge that we may not think of when it comes to that type of situation. 
Yep, totally, totally agree with you. And I think it's very hard because you, what you want to do is you, your instinct is to want to provide um, because you think, why should they go without, you know, because maybe you went without. Um, but then you have to be very careful and calculated because you have to think, well, what is the effect of just handing them something? You know, I've, I've, I've often said to somebody, if you think about uh, working all your life for a beautiful home, uh, and and that day that you are rewarded with walking through the doorway of a beautiful home, having worked really, really hard for it. The difference between that and just walking up to somebody and saying, hey, here's a beautiful home. And the same person walks through the door of a beautiful home that they didn't work for. Um, it's a very different feeling, right? Like having something handed to you is very different from having something that you've worked for. I, so I, I do believe in in putting in the hard yards. And I do believe in, 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 in reaping the rewards of your hard work and being able to teach that to your children, that good things will come from hard work. And then every now and again, you get good luck on top of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, certainly. All right. Tell me about tough as nails here. What was the genesis of the show, Phil? And I know we're season three now, it just began. Uh, what separates, what are the changes that we're going to see here? What makes season three different from the previous two seasons? Well, Tough as Nails is uh, it pays tribute to my grandfather, one of the smartest people that I ever had the opportunity to spend time with. Got pulled out of school at, at uh, 13, was the brightest kid in his middle school. Um, got a scholarship to go to high school, but he was sent to work straight away. Self-taught, um, became a, a mechanic and an aero mechanic in World War II. Taught me a lot of great things, taught me a lot of life skills. And so Tough as Nails is a celebration of working class people like my family. Builders, coal miners, gold miners, farmers, and to celebrate them and to celebrate all the work they do. So season three, the difference is that now that word is spread about what Tough as Nails is across all the union workers in America, across all the farms and from Hawaii to the East Coast, because we've got some people from Hawaii this season, more people applying, more tough people, more interesting stories. Um and it is season three, so you got to amp it up a wee bit. So we went out to Camp Pendleton. The Marines let us come out to Red Beach, and we kick-started the season with, uh, with, with a military exercise. We had Murph, our season one winner, come out and kick-start the season. And, um, yeah, it's just bigger, I guess. It, it's just more people are talking about it, thank God. It's, uh, it's been a dream to be able to make this show now for, for more than a decade. <laughs> it's hard to sell a show, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I, w I would imagine so, but I'll tell you, I, like I said, I've been a railroad mechanic for 22 years, a regular auto mechanic my whole life, and I love the concept of it. We definitely need more like that to put the spotlight on the men and women that are out there hustling yep. these jobs. I mean, I work with so many guys on the railroad over the last 22 years, sacrificing so much for their, for their families and putting in the time. So uh, props to you for getting the show out there. I, I love everything that it stands for, so... Um, what, what else you got in the pipeline for yourself here? Are there any other kind of shows, concepts that you're working on? What could we see from you in the future? Well, I'd like to go to space. I just saw William Shatner go up into space and I thought, man, that'd be kind of a fun ride. Uh, if Jeff Bezos is listening, then, uh, Hey, what do I need to do to get a seat on that puppy? Um, <laughs> man, that looked like fun. Uh, I'd love to go to space. No, I, um, I have a, uh, a film, uh, that I wrote during the pandemic with a friend of mine. I'm very keen to make that. It's just a, a fun a fun story. Um, and uh, we're shooting season four of Tough as Nails uh, in the coming months and race is coming back. We're going to we're going to get that going again. 
Um, so yeah, I'm keeping myself busy. I, I'll tell you that I have, <laughs> I've definitely, uh, I'm not letting the grass grow under my feet. I'm working very hard. Yeah. And there's no doubt about that. It shows too, Phil, but, and obviously you've been to all these exotic places over the years here. Do you have a favorite vacation spot? If you have your choice to go with the family? I, I love going home to New Zealand. You know, I live on the West coast here in, in the United States. Um, I'm, I'm an immigrant, you know, I, I, I came to America, uh, 30 years ago. Um, but there is nothing better than walking in the front door of your parents' place and, and, uh, you smell something cooking in the kitchen and my dad grows vegetables out the back and, uh, and having like some nice, uh, chicken soup or tomato soup with the tomatoes from the garden and sitting down, having a good cup of tea and catching up. Uh, I, 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 it doesn't really matter where you are in the world. That's like, uh, there is nothing better than going home. I, I love Wherever that is, um, there's nothing better. Yeah, right on with that. All right, Phil, last thing I want to hit you with here, I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening? Um, listen to other dads. Ask a lot of questions. Um, a lot of dads never told me how hard it was out of the gate with a, with a newborn. Um, I wish some other dads had told me just how difficult it can be, the lack of sleep and and also just not knowing and that it's okay to not know. Just ask a lot of questions. Um, know that it will be difficult. Know that it will be challenging. Know that each phase goes super, super quick. When you're in the middle of it and it's three o'clock in the morning and you're trying to get your child to, to sleep or you're trying to burp the baby um, in the middle of the night, just know that those phases go much quicker than they feel in the moment. In the moment, you feel like, oh my God, this is going to last forever. I'm going to be stuck here in the middle of the night for the rest of my life. It goes really quick. And savor every stage of your child's uh, growth. Um, you know, one of the most devastating days of my life was when my daughter was going to college and she was walking one way crying and I was standing at the other end of the field crying. And, and, and I thought, my God, this is the first time in my life that we're both upset and my daughter is upset. And instead of going to my daughter to comfort her and console her, like I have done for a whole life, all of a sudden I'm going, you're upset. I'm upset, but just keep walking the other way. I'm like, how does this make sense? So, uh, enjoy the journey, ask a lot of questions and, um, and, and learn, be open to learning and know that you can't know everything and that's okay. Yeah, very well said. I love the message. This has been a lot of fun for me. I got to say, Phil Kogan, you're first class father all the way. And thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here on First Class Fatherhood. Thank you so much. Yeah, all the best to you. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I got to give a special thank you once again to Phil Kogan for giving me a few minutes of his time here. It was so cool. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, or drop me a DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to read your feedback. Today's episode was brought to you by MyPillow. If you're looking to get the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, and let me tell you this, if you have never slept on one of the MyPillow mattress toppers, you are truly, truly missing out. You got to get over there and try it for yourself, and you can save up to 66% on your order at MyPillow by using the promo code FATHERHOOD. All right, so you're going to get a better night's sleep, and you're going to save up to 66% off on MyPillow, and you're going to help support the podcast here. So take advantage of it while it lasts. Go to MyPillow.com, use the promo code FATHERHOOD, save up to 66% on your order. All right, that's all I got for you guys today. I'm Alec Lace. Thank you for listening to First Class Fatherhood, and please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers, and we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers. Thank you.
Your half-truths and tales As tall as a tree's But it's all feeling so